0: hello oh hello there
1: <laughs> this is source explained. yeah and uh over there is Kellen dockerty and over there is leah nielsen i almost said i'm leah nielsen <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i'm the captain now
1: <laughs> welcome to our podcast this is episode we're in the high 50s are we really i mean it's been years Years of our decades of our lives. <laughs>
0: decades? No, not decades. I've never decade ago. <laughs> Can you imagine the podcast coming out of like the early 2000s? <laughs> uh, for us? No, just if they existed.
1: <laughs> uh, if we met in middle school with yeah. the podcast together, what would that look like? Bad. <laughs> it just all be about in sync. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, when, I mean, the first podcast, I want to say, was some kind of NPR thing, and it was like, it's gotta be, it was definitely, like, still, like, 2008 or something.
0: Ira Glass just breathing through his nose hairs so heavily.
1: (laughs) Just on iTunes when you had to buy it for, like, a dollar.
0: (laughs) I don't know what the first podcast was, really.
1: I want to say it's This American Life, but I could definitely be wrong. I know that's one of the early ones. Well, so
0: it was definitely a transition from radio mm-hmm. to, like, something that was recorded as radio and then, like, you could play back on iTunes or something like that. It had to be like that.
1: Yeah. Do you remember the first podcast you ever listened to?
0: I honestly think it, it was, like, semi-recently, but I think it was the one about Anon Sayed in the, like, um... Serial? Yeah.
1: That was the first one I ever listened to.
0: Yeah. Like 2016 or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember listening to it in 2015 and being like, I, I don't get what a podcast is. And then yeah. it was very interesting. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't listen to anything for a while. Yeah. And I think I really got into it in like 2019. Yeah. I just got super
0: in. So I know someone who was like their, the lawyer, like, cause it's Baltimore. So mm-hmm. I knew the lawyer that was his lawyer like I personally have a friend that is their child <laughs> so
1: yeah Owen Mills mall right Owings Mills yeah <laughs> <laughs> Owen Mills <laughs> whenever I hear that, I always think of cereal and my mom will always talk about that mall because
0: it's a great mall it's like a it's like almost the mall of America. it's amazing. <laughs>
1: I love a good mall. Yeah. I mean, I should hate it, but I like it because it, malls are very campy and ridiculous, and they're yeah. not trying to be cool. They're just like, this is what it is. And I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this episode today is, it's not that much of a downer. I mean, it's not gonna be a lighthearted romp. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think I've done darker episodes. Like, okay. while I was writing this, I was like, mm, this is bad, but, like, it's, it's not my cannibalism hard. episode, so I feel like, you know.
0: Okay, so we're a step above cannibalism.
1: Yeah. But we're not doing that much better. Okay, damn. Tell him, like, all of your episodes are dark. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, what episodes I have that don't involve death. It's and... like goop. <laughs> yeah, even that. I'm like... <laughs> well this episode today Leah um it's got it's got it all it's a doozy it's got token systems Mm. uh child labor cellar fires respiratory disease murder warfare all the good stuff
0: okay when I heard tokens I was like it's about Chuck E. Cheese (laughs) when you (laughs) kept going and I was like I'm not sure this is still about Chuck E. Cheese
1: (laughs) That would be so hard if it was about Chuck E. Cheese. I'm not totally unsure. Murder. I mean, child labor, (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) Cellar fire, sure. Respiratory disease, definitely. Murder, I'm sure someone's been murdered in a Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, for sure. Chuck E. Cheese would
0: be honestly a great one.
1: Yeah. And, (laughs) I mean, capitalist warfare, I would say. Chuck E. Cheese has done that. They've been battling. Yeah. (laughs) They are at the top of their game, although I did hear that they are very bankrupt and like want to close down, but somehow are still operating. Oh, yeah. It's like the kind of
0: sort of the blockbuster. Like, I feel like it's gonna there's going to be like one left in five years.
1: Yeah, I've only been to a Chuck E. Cheese once and I cried the whole time. What? I was way too over. I was like, what is this? This is terrifying. Why are these mice? (laughs) (laughs) singing to me i i did not like it you don't it like was- Charles entertainment cheese <laughs> full name. I
0: <laughs> the main memory i have from a chucky e- i did go like quite a few times as a child but the main memory i have has nothing to do with chucky e. cheese i was at like a birthday party or something and some random man did that like uh like got your thumb like it looks like his thumb was detaching mm-hmm. k- kind of hand trick and that's all I remember him being like well, look at this and I was like his thumb
1: <laughs> and was that a man that worked there nope or was he nope. just a strange man from the street that came strange in? <laughs> man
0: strange man trying to lure kids in with his fun little trick I think
1: <laughs> and that's the day you did not get abducted but yeah luckily <laughs> well today's episode we're gonna go back in time a little bit uh okay. the year is gonna be 1921 Ooh, I it. the place is gonna be Logan County West Virginia okay don't
0: like that as much
1: <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> hang out in West Virginia 1921
0: <laughs> I don't know West Virginia is scary now so I can only imagine 1921 being worse
1: <laughs> just imagine all the beautiful sprawling green mountains Blue Ridge. The creepy people living in the mountains. The um, incest. Yeah you know. Uh what happens here would be the largest armed uprising at the time since the Civil War. Mm. So today I'm going to be explaining to you the Battle of Blair Mountain. I have never heard of this. Good. I was wondering if you had heard of this, and I think it's honestly better if you don't know anything.
0: (laughs) I don't know a single thing. Blair, I think of Blair Witch Project, which is equally in the woods and weird, but yeah. yeah. I
1: think of Escape to Witch Mountain, which is some movie from like the 70s that I've never seen. (laughs) Yeah. So for some context first, uh, this was going to be three main counties involved. So it's Mingo, Logan, and McDowell County in West Virginia. And these counties were flush with coal. So this is like the coal boom. All this coal was found in the mountains. Of course, this brings huge coal companies. And the coal companies then start flourishing with profit. They then set up very strict and repressive systems of company towns. Right. You know what a company town is?
0: Yes, and the only reason I know is because we read the Amazon uh sustainability report in one of my classes recently. Mm-hmm. Um and Amazon basically wants to do that. They were like, yeah, actually in Texas, we're building a low-cost town where all of our workers can live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, they are, they are doing that now. Yeah, they want to bring it back. They want to bring it back. They're bringing back the town where they have ultimate power.
1: Well, I mean, it's a great idea. Everything works out. Um, they should definitely listen to this episode and maybe learn a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, because I was basically going to say the same thing. Um, basically, a company town is a town that is built, creative, and controlled by a company. And it's like how we already think of, like, Seattle is owned by amazon in the first place it's like the headquarters it employs such a percentage of the city it's everywhere and they actually do want to do that in a lot of places i know like elon musk wants to do that with tesla and whatever his company the rockets but yeah they're like very into this yeah now the companies control everything So the general store, the school, the hospital, the firehouse, everyone's house, you name it, they own it. Miners did not even own their own tools. They had tools from the company so that they could do their work. Did they, they had to pay for that? Yeah, they had to pay to be able to, yeah, and they were only leasing it. So then you had to like keep re-upping it. Right. Um, That's awful. Yeah, this is a sidebar, but I was recently watching an old episode of Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay, Mm. my Mm go-to. I love it. I love that show so much. (laughs) I love it too. I'll rewatch it every day. (laughs) And you may remember this. Actually, this might not have been Kitchen Nightmares now that I think about it. It might have been Hotel Hell, which was his other one about hotels. Yeah, that was a weird spin-off. I only watched a couple episodes of that. I really liked that one because not only was the food bad, but the decor, like the (laughs) rooms were so ugly yeah (laughs) but there was one episode that the whole thing was Austrian themed and the delusional owner made her servers buy their own authentic Austrian uniforms like these old timey like gowns (laughs) and they had to like you know spend hundreds of dollars on them because they're like you know you can't just buy that at Walmart and her whole thing was like well they'll get years of use out of them as long as they stay with us so like this is great for you <laughs> and Gordon Ramsay is like no you have to buy their uniform is he crazy so That's horrible <laughs> yeah it still happens it's like places are still like yeah you have to buy your uniform or they'll give you like two shirts and they're like if you want a third shirt it's like twenty dollars and it's like yeah. just give me a shirt what are you talking about you pay me yeah. minimum wage <laughs> well I also
0: think about hairdressers have to rent their space yeah for their hairdressing you know. Like, it's not, it's not like you work for the company and then you get that seat that the person sits in. You have to rent their chair too. Yeah. Weird.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the coal miners, I mean, they're paid extremely low wages. Oftentimes they're underpaid, exploited for extra hours. Uh, There were a lot of cases of like physical beatings. If you don't meet your quota, stuff like that. You're not treated very well. um, Yeah. And even the low wages, uh, they didn't come in the form of American currency. So okay. basically... Okay. Oh, right. Tokens. <laughs> yeah. So basically they were paid in something called script, which is just script without the T. Um, it's it's creative. The word that they made up. Um, and it's basically a token that you could use at places like the general store to buy food. So imagine you were paid in Chuck E. Cheese tokens instead of money. What a world. (laughs) That'd be fine if all you ever aspired for was to like buy a giant stuffed animal. But otherwise, people kind of like having the freedom to buy whatever they can with money that is accepted all over the country. Right. (laughs) So since the company does own your house in the company town, if you lose your job or you're laid off, guess what? You're did pretty quickly. And if you are paid in a currency that only holds value in the town that you live in, you can imagine it really limits your options. Not like you can just be like, okay, I'm just gonna get up and move to Pennsylvania. Because guess what? You have just a pocket full of script. No one cares about that in Pennsylvania. They'll just laugh at you.
0: Well, also, was there any sort of like exchange rate? Or was it like one script equals $1?
1: (laughs) I don't even know if, yeah, there was a specific exchange, rate. I mean, I'm sure there was something, but it was basically like, yep, end of the day, here's like five script tokens for you. Get out of here. That's crazy. Yeah. And also in regards to the script, you could uh, buy things on a credit system at the general store. So if you needed milk for your kids, you just put it on your credit with the account you had and that money would come out of the upcoming paycheck. So sometimes a minor would get to payday and everything's already gone because they already spent it because you needed to feed your family. You oh, my
0: family. gosh. Yeah.
1: So it's not even like you're working for payday. You're just like working to survive the next week. It's right. animals. And sometimes the coal company would actually make more money at the general store than the actual damn coal that was being mined was making, which is insane because they were making a lot of money in the mines. But in the general store, it's like, you know, shopping for groceries at the airport. Like everything was way more expensive. And it's like, why is this bag of checks Mix $7? <laughs> and it's like, because we can make the price whatever we want to because- right you can't do anything about it ultimate like power yeah and a gatorade is eight dollars for some reason you're like well i'm gonna yeah. be hydrated so yeah here i am <laughs> which i don't know how much you've ever spent at an airport but i
0: think hey, it's more like i would say concerts and like stadiums like i've definitely spent like 14 dollars on a beer <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> like absolutely absurd.
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember we had like a work thing at a Rockies game and they gave us like $20 for food and I bought like a beer and they were like, "Okay, so you have like yeah, like $4 left." And I was like, <laughs> yeah, "Oh, oh like, what? <laughs> for a Coors Light?" <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And it's like not good beer. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> terrible. Where it's like, "Yeah, that would be less than a dollar if you were anywhere else." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So imagine having to buy all of your groceries and food provisions at that price. Yeah. Just insane. And besides the weird Dave and Buster's-esque economy going on here. <laughs> yeah. There's Damn, all- I
0: I have some Dave & Buster's points. <laughs> Shoot. I gotta go use them. <laughs> gotta go use
1: them. <laughs> It's like that Always Sunny episode where they try to make their economy like dancers <laughs> at the bar. They're like, I don't understand how it's working. <laughs> yeah. Damn,
0: so- Always Sunny's so good. I gotta like keep rewatching it. It's so good.
1: <laughs> it never gets old. I can watch it all day. Yeah, that you nightmares. <laughs> also very good. I recently watched
0: a YouTube thing about like what's your guilty pleasure show, and uh, someone brought up the Amazing Race. And I was like, "Damn, I should try to watch that." Like early, like mid mid two thousands, Amazing Race was like apparently on point.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched an episode of it.
0: I never have either. But like I've only do- I've heard of it, obviously. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I should check it out. See what the hype's about, yeah. or what the older hype is about. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like very hyped right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: everybody's watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there's also a lot of fun social control in company towns. So in the center of the town was always the company headquarters. Lest anyone ever forget that the reason the town exists, uh, the reason they exist is for the company. So mm. better not forget it. Um, You probably won't because there's signs everywhere. Uh, these coal towns were also strategically located in the valleys of the West Virginian terrain, so you had mountains on all sides of you, makes you feel very isolated and makes leaving either, either temporarily or permanently very, very difficult. You can't just like, oh, just gonna hop over to, you know, this neighboring town. It's like, you're just stuck there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there was one single railway to and from town, and that was heavily monitored. So if you were to leave, everybody would know. They had like, mm. you know, workers and guards there just kind of watching. And, yeah, it would be, like, a huge deal. Also, where are you going? You have no money. Where? What you going to do? So, yeah. So great. Uh, towns were also heavily segregated surprise, surprise. Uh, It's 1921. Uh, You had your white natives of Appalachia, you had African Americans from the South that came up, and then immigrants from Europe. So those were like kind of the main three groups you had, and everybody was pretty separate in one of those groups. So each group had their own school, church, dining hall, like everything was separated. Um, This was segregated. Yeah, it was just a nice tool to keep people isolated and keep options limited for conversing with one another. Because heaven forbid you talk about, you know, the work conditions with other people. So everything. Trying to good unionize. Work. Good God. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> you Don't you dare. Don't you dare. And say maybe you wanted to build like a cute little community center or hell, just a basketball court down the street for the kids to play who wouldn't want that? Well, you needed to get approval from the company board. And this was really hard because they controlled all of it. And what they said goes and being able to add anything to the town was pretty non-existent. They'd be like, oh, we don't have the money for that. And it's like, you don't. (laughs) Okay. sure. You really couldn't make any changes to anything. You couldn't add anything. You couldn't help your community in any way. Oh, no. Now, you may be wondering, well, what are the ladies up to at this time? Great question. Mm. These girls were putting in work. I tell you that. Uh, Women worked all day, pumping water, buying expensive general store food, cooking it, caring for the children, tending home, you know, doing being the school teachers, the nurses, everything. Uh, They had to wash their husband's clothes every day after the workday because they'd be covered in soot. And while women weren't allowed to work in the mines, they worked as closely to their husbands as they could so that they could make ends meet because yeah, they were poor, everybody needs to work. So they're basically full stay-at-home moms and also keeping the community afloat and also full-time workers pretty much. So (laughs) everything's great. Now, here's a fun question. How old do you think you would have to be, say you're a boy, um, to work in the mines at this time? (laughs) It's going to be something like 10. (laughs) You're getting there. The answer is eight.
0: (laughs) It's also like, isn't coal mining terrible? And my only reference for this is Zoolander. (laughs) Like, you would get the
1: black lung. I was wondering if you were going to bring up the Zoolander (laughs) black lung, because I think about that a lot. Pa! I got the zoo. I got the black lung <laughs> I have a black lung paw yeah I feel like that is very historically accurate to working in a coal mine so great job Zoolander um I've never worked in a mine so what am I talking about <laughs> but yeah, yeah the answer is eight um these boys would be paid as trappers um they'd sit there and open and close the mine shaft door for the mining cars to come in and out that was like their main job um these boys would spend 10 or more hours in the mine a day just opening and closing the door uh not like alone yeah i mean i think there were like two of them okay okay. or something i think they were always in group kind of like
0: that i hope they had like brotherhood or like camaraderie (laughs) yeah something (laughs) something please have something for these poor boys
1: (laughs) you may not be able to play basketball after work but at least you (laughs) was basketball like even a thing maybe i don't know cricket what were they i
0: feel like uh, in the 1920s they were like a circle with a stick
1: (laughs) do you know what i'm talking about (laughs) i feel like that's like early 1800s okay okay my time period's off (laughs) (laughs) like pioneer women yeah, <laughs>
0: turning butter. <laughs> yeah, that was their like sport. <laughs> yeah, <All their> turning.
1: <laughs> so not only were these boys not being educated because you're not going to school if you're working ten hours a day, uh, they were extremely underdeveloped both physically and intellectually, and many became anemic. And. Ooh had a lot of health complications uh don't worry though because the work was also extremely dangerous oh oh no um mine explosions falling rocks live electrical wires just flying to and fro it's a bad time jeez i also remember like so is it like gas
0: an issue like they used to always have a canary in the mines Mm -hmm. because it would die first if there was like a gas issue
1: yes okay and there, I will get to some of that with okay. the, the lung issues, but basically in 1907, 104 people were reported to have been injured from falling rocks. Many were children. However, they were under the legal age to work, which was 14. So thus, they weren't actually workers and they didn't have to be counted in the company logs. So they like, like, no, they're like volunteers.
0: volunteers.
1: Yeah, I can't help it if these children volunteered. Uh, they're just mine. so
0: enthusiastic about coal mining. I can't help it. Yeah,
1: I. It's not like I can't stop them if they want to be in there. Um, oh, it's because their dad can't afford to feed them. That's not my problem. Um, if you're too young to count as a person, we do not care if a rock smashes your tiny little skull. So, yeah. so be it. And regardless, if you are a child or a grown man, uh, if you were never hit by a falling rock, you just know your health is going to be in shambles. Um, so this is kind of about that. So many suffered from coal workers' pneumo mm, pneumoconiosis or CWP, uh, which is a dust-induced scarring lung disease. You may know by its more common name, the black lung. The black lung. Yeah. <laughs> any just the black plague the black lung it's it's anything
0: yeah not great (laughs)
1: uh symptoms of the black lung included shortness of breath tightness in the chest extreme coughing sometimes to the point of coughing up black mucus i cannot imagine that that day when you're coughing up black mucus i'd be like just being like like, well gotta go back to work Is this coal in my hand or is this mucus? I can't tell. (laughs) Yeah, that's always a good sign. Uh, Whenever any substance that is coming out of your body is black, that's usually a very bad sign. Yeah,
0: that is a good, like, universal. That's bad. (laughs) Things are good.
1: Things are not going well in there. (laughs) So that is all to give you some background on the actual conditions of these towns. But now I have to bring in the United Mine Workers Union. So this was founded in 1890. And like its name, it's pretty straightforward. It's to unionize mine workers. Uh, Mm. You can surmise that the coal companies felt that the United Mine Workers, or UMW for short, were basically the Antichrist. They hated the UMW so much and felt if they were to unionize their workers, not only would the company be over, but just the whole world would go up in flames. Like democracy would crumble. Capitalism is over. It's a free for all. A lot of scare tactics. Yeah. So it was written in employment contracts that workers would not or even talk about or consider or even think about unionizing. Um, Police officers and private detectives were hired by the coal companies to basically stand as a threat against workers to unionize. So they were called mine guards and basically Mm. did just that. They stood around and they acted like bullies. Uh, you were always being watched and the line between the privatized coal cops and the regular West Virginian police was basically non-existent. It was just, they were completely in cahoots with each other. Right,
0: yeah. Well, because if you need a totalitarian sort of regime, you gotta have the, you know, police force on board. <laughs>
1: yeah. You gotta get a bunch <laughs> of own. guys, give them guns, have them stand around and stare at you. No one's gonna yes. feel good. Yeah. And these guards, um, they could enter or search your home at any time, because it's not your house, it's the company. Not. House.
0: It's owned by the company.
1: <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and there were even rumors, this is a rumor, but there were rumors of phones being tapped, so people listening to other people's conversations, and... Oh, if you did get evicted, say the guards thought you wanted to unionize, whether that was real or true or false, uh, they could kick you and your family out, and you wouldn't get kicked out by just having a notice on your door. They'd be armed guards there to escort you out, throw out your belongings. Um, Sometimes they would put your belongings in the street and set them on fire. Uh, Then you'd be put in a tent, and then things only get worse. (laughs) Jeez. After you are in a tent in West Virginia in the winter with your three children and a spouse, uh, basically you are kind of left to fend for yourself. There were multiple cases, even of people saying staying in tents and armored trains running through the colony, spraying tents with machine gun fire. What? Now, who doesn't want to be shot at while you are living in a tent in the first place? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, That's crazy. So- And one time things got particularly horrifying was back in 1914 in Ludlow County, Colorado. Um, So we're going back and we're going to a different area, but basically it was a similar situation. Colorado was having their own strikes due to the deplorable conditions of their company town and the miners were already evicted and camped out in their tents. So the bar was already very low. It was like, we're already being beaten up pretty bad and lo and behold, the Colorado National Guard machine gunned and set fire to the tents. And then a group of miners and their families fled to hide in a nearby mining cellar. However, after they were in the cellar, a tent was set on fire on top of the cellar door and the cellar was filled with smoke. Five minors, two minors' wives, and 12 children died, mostly of suffocation. Oh my god! How
0: can they do this?
1: <laughs> and throughout the entire dispute, 75 people died in total. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's just like a warfare battle, but what you're fighting is the American civilian workers which is right just because they're not
0: doing exactly what you want them to do which is like barely survive
1: yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be exploited until the day you die i'm gonna shoot you in a tent
0: exactly like, okay. I'm suffocate your children yeah. like what the fuck <laughs>
1: But even with all of this, somehow workers still fought to unionize, and the women and wives they helped a lot with this. They, in secret, got word around, and the UMW had its presence very well known in these company towns in West Virginia.
0: Ooh, yeah, that had to be like whispers, mm-hmm. and
1: like espionage. One notable woman who was a big effort in unionization was Mary G. Harris Jones, uh, but everyone called her by her nickname, which was uh, Mother Jones. And Mother Jones was an Irish-born schoolteacher and dressmaker turned union organizer and activist. Uh, It's quite sad. Her husband and all four of her children died of yellow fever in 1867 oh wow yeah i read a book about yellow fever yeah it was bad <laughs> yeah that'll just that just took everybody out so yeah she's like left to her own devices her dress shop was destroyed in the great chicago fire in 1871 mm. so this lady i mean she lost everything she had nothing left to lose so she was like let's strike i don't even give a shit like yeah <laughs> So she first starts her activism, leading marches against child labor in mines and silk mills, and then moves on to just coal mines as a whole. She became known as the most dangerous woman in America. Because, okay. again, she didn't want children to die in mines. So they're like, oh, dangerous. You're so woman. dangerous. What a radical. <laughs> She's going to ruin the fabric of American society. because Just child labor. <laughs> She wants people to be paid for their labor. I don't. I don't get it. When was child labor like illegalized?
0: Made illegal? Like
1: no. I, I want to say the
0: thirties. It has to be before the forties.
1: I want to say it's before the forties. I would say during like, like 30s, depression, depression, Dust Bowl era. They were huh. like everybody get to work, and then, and then we went to war, and then that took a whole thing.
0: Yeah. Crazy. But,
1: yeah, yeah, we, we got kids out of factories, I want to say, by 20s, 30s. <laughs> yeah. So good. And hey, another fun anecdote, they're trying to bring back uh, children in the workforce way more heavily because they want to like lower the age for like fast food workers to be like 15 or something. I did
0: see they. they're trying to lower it to like 14 and they there's a different pay rate. That they can pay people under 18 and it's like half the minimum wage.
1: <laughs> oh, God. It's so awful. It's So bleak. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. If I went to like a KFC at like 11 o'clock at night and a 14 year old is working there, I'm <laughs> like, what? No. no. I'll lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. So things all come to a head in Mingo County on May 19th, 1920. So, quote, members of the Baldwin Feltz Detective Agency arrived in the town of Mattawan to evict union miners from houses owned by the Stone Mountain Coal Company. After catching wind of the detective's activities, Mattawan Mayor Cable Testerman and a pro-union sheriff named Sid Hartfield raised a small posse and confronted them near the local train station. Yeah. Basically, you just have these detectives. They were with the sheriff. They're with the pro-union guys. Everybody's kind of combined to kind of catch wind of these people trying to unionize. Hmm, so okay. Things kicked off as they usually do with a verbal argument that quickly escalated to a gunfight. Ooh, okay. At the end of the shootout, seven detective agents were dead. Three <laughs> miners and the mayor all died. The mayor. <laughs> Everybody goes down. This would go on to be called the Matawan Massacre. Whoa! Yeah, so you know, you just have men, guns, and then everybody's dead because everybody's got guns. Yeah, but how did everyone have guns? (laughs) They just got the guns. I mean, all the police and all the guards and company people have guns because they're scared of the miners and the miners are like well we gotta pick up guns because they have guns so it's just like figured oh, it out yeah so this would only lead people more towards unionizing and the umw and in the summer of 1920 the miners officially went on strike they had had enough, and it was all time to just really come together. And you remember how the company towns were segregated? Well, on strike, the miners refused to do that. They were like, "We're not doing this anymore. Black and white miners. We have to eat together. We have to talk to each other. We have to work together." So, okay. even though they were very strictly told not to, you know, intermingle, they refused. Quote, we don't want to exaggerate it and act like they were holding hands around the campfire, but at the same time, they all understood that if they did not work together, they couldn't be effective. The only way to shut down the mines was to make sure everybody participated. So great social progress. Union. You know, it is still 1920 after all, but hey, it's something. That's good. And remember Sid Hartfield, Hatfield, excuse me, uh, he is the pro-union sheriff. Uh, he was kind of seen as the hero of the miners because okay. he didn't have a lot of people on the police that were on their side. But this guy, Sid, he was like, I'm the sheriff of the town. I'm also pro-union. So a little backstory on Hatfield. He was the 10th of 12 children. Mm. He grew up working on a farm, then worked as a blacksmith and a miner. He had gold caps in his teeth and was nicknamed Smiling Sid. Which was Whoa. Uh, when he was appointed police chief in 1919 many of the old conservative folks were taking back cuz they saw him as this rough and tumble maverick guy and not your typical authority figure and because he grew up mining and probably for a lot of other reasons he was very pro labor okay Cool guy. Um, Sid went on trial for the Matawan Massacre and became very well known for it. Um, Ultimately, he and the other men involved were all acquitted, uh, but it did serve as a huge blow to the Union, uh, just because it was a lot of fees, legal fees they had to pay, bad publicity, stuff like that. Yeah. But anyway, August 1st of 1921, so we're fast forwarding here. Hatfield now has to travel to McDowell County to stand trial on charges of blowing up a coal tipple. And a tipple is some kind of structure to pull stuff out of the mine. I don't you know. You say tipple? A tipple. Tipple? A tipple nipple. Rhymes with nipple? Yeah. <laughs>
0: So they're like, oh,
1: you blew up this thing. You'll, you're being charged for it. He's like, whatever. I don't even know if he actually did it or not. Whatever. That part isn't really too important uh, because he was accompanied with his friend Ed Chambers and their wives. As they were walking up to the courthouse, Baldwin Felt's agents surrounded them and opened fire. Uh-oh. Hatfield was killed instantly. And Chambers was shot, and he rolled down the stairs of the courthouse, and then an ancient walked up and shot him right in the back of the head, this time dead.
0: Wow. That's, like, dramatic. It's like a movie. (laughs) it's like The Godfather,
1: you know, assassin.
0: Rolls down the stairs.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, you may be wondering, well, (laughs) hell, this happened the last episode when I was losing my voice, and I was like, oh, god. (laughs) <laughs> I got it. Okay, we got it. We got so, it. you may What's be that? wondering, uh, these Baldwin-Felts detectives, they shot two men in cold blood out in public in front of many witnesses, including their wives, on the steps of the courthouse. Certainly they'd be having their own trial for murder, right? right. No, actually, uh, no one was ever convicted for that. The men claimed they were shooting in self-defense. Okay. Hey. <laughs> And everybody apparently was just like, okay. Well, we have to agree with that. Insane. Um, the bullet marks are still visible in the steps of the courthouse to this day.
0: Ooh, that's cool. That's cool. Part of it.
1: <laughs> now, this was a huge shock and horror to the miners and the unionizers. Uh, On August 7th, 1921, the leaders of the UMW met with the governor with a list of demands. And they were like, hey, just meet these demands. Let's end this. People are dying. This is ridiculous. But the governor, of course, is like, no, we're not doing that. So the UMW decides on a march for the three counties. Mother Jones actually called on the miners not to march. She was really fearing a bloodbath. And many accused this hardened, tough lady of losing her nerve and going soft. Um, she so was just some, a realist. Um, yeah, she just was like, I don't want you guys to die. Yeah. Um, but that didn't stop them. They were like, we're, we're doing this. So four days later, 13,000 workers were marching.
0: Ooh, that's a big, that's, word got around.
1: A lot of them, yeah. And a Chesapeake and Ohio freight train was commandeered for the efforts to transport protesters. Many protesters wore a red handkerchief around their necks so they could distinguish each other in the dense forest. And that gave them the nickname the Redneck Army. Ah, (laughs) <laughs> now i always thought the term redneck was from blue collar white workers getting their necks sunburned because of working outside all day yes yeah but apparently it also has another meaning um that goes along with it which is that coal miners wore bandanas in solidarity to the union oh so it could come from either direction but yeah i was always like oh yeah you have a- your sunburned oh
0: <laughs> yeah I thought that too.
1: (laughs) Now, there was also the anti-union sheriff. Um, His name was uh, Sheriff Chafin. Chafin? I think it's Chafin. Um, Who began setting up defenses at Blair Mountain. Now, this guy, to give you a little backstory on Don Chafin, after becoming sheriff, he was regarded as the boss, the czar, and Logan County's best-known citizen, so bizarre. That's not great. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know how Mother Jones was the most dangerous woman in America because she didn't want children to die in mines. This guy <laughs> is the best known citizen. So just, just <laughs>
0: Yeah, the best. <laughs>
1: Who doesn't want to live in a town where the local sheriff is thought of as a czar? That's not troubling at all, either, so been <laughs> great. Uh, Shaven loved to take bribes. Uh, while the exact number is unknown, it's estimated he took about $50,000 in bribes a year while uh, while he was sheriff. So, you know, $50,000 in 1920 is yeah $750,000 today. Oh, holy shit! <laughs> yeah. It's also estimated that this dude's net worth in 1921 was Mm $350,000, which in today's money, do you want to guess how much it is? I'm going to say it is
0: 1.8 million.
1: Uh, A little off. It's a little over 6 million.
0: Oh, geez. Okay.
1: (laughs) So insane compared to, I mean, what, people are making in the mines, I mean, which is nothing because you're just making tokens, but still, and then you have this man making $6 million.
0: Right, Jesus.
1: Yeah, and Chafin was always out for the UMW. He had previously orchestrated raids on protesting towns, and two years prior, in 1919, he drunkenly marched right into the UMW headquarters, brandished a revolver, and started threatening people. Oh. <laughs> you know, as the sheriff does.
0: <laughs> the 20s and- sounds pretty wild. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I'm assuming he had one of those long trench coats that they were always wearing in the 20s, a yeah, yeah. little top hat. Uh, the vice president of the union shot him and was acquitted on grounds of self-defense. <laughs> so uh, he took a shot. Yeah. <laughs> and Chafin, I mean, he was only injured. He got shot in the shoulder. The union VP didn't feel bad either. He's like, what? That's what happens when you march in somewhere brandishing a gun and sticking it in my face and you're drunk. I shot you in the shoulder. <laughs> I shot you. <laughs> what happens now for Shafin? Quote: He was supported financially by the Logan County Coal Operators Association, creating the nation's largest private armed force of nearly two thousand. Though another source right. I found did say three thousand, so I'm not sure exactly. Some of the numbers coming up are going to be pretty iffy. Um, the main point is that Shafin got the police deputies, just local militiamen who wanted to fight. And I mean, anyone he could just like, hey, do you want to fight these coal miners? Do you have a gun? Come on down. Good. Let's go. go. <laughs> let's get it going. And it's such an insane idea to hire the police to fight people for you. <laughs> like, Leah, well, I have an issue with you. I paid a cop 50 bucks. He'll be over to your house shortly. So just great. Let me know. <laughs>
0: This is how things are going to go.
1: He's a contractor, and it's like, you know, wag, you need a dog walker to come over? You just send a cop over and they'll mess you up. <laughs> Not like the mob at all. Now, Shapen and the mining companies called these men mine guards or hired detectives. The miners had a different word for them, and that was just thugs. <laughs> Which is <laughs> honestly much more accurate. If there's ever a description for a thug, I think it would be that um, in the most general sense. So the prot- protesters get there by August 25th. And this last, uh, day of this battle basically warren g harding is threatening to send in the troops um he is like this was not gonna stop we gotta do something there's of course your regular gunfire there's gunfights but chafin hired private planes to fly over and drop homemade pipe bombs loaded with nuts and bolts for shrapnel huh so, you know, just generally war tactics on these miners that are protesting. Uh, luckily, these bombs didn't inflict any casualties. They just, they weren't very good pipe bombs, I guess. You didn't do a great job engineering those. Yeah, jeez. But I can only imagine it's still very stressful if you have nuts and bolts flying around your face. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I just wanted to be paid more. <laughs> Yeah, uh, That's, it's crazy how violent everything is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she even had trenches constructed and poison gas and also bombs that were left over from World War One. <laughs> That were used and they know this because one of the bombs didn't go off and it was later used as evidence at trial um they were like yeah this is distinctly from the world war we were in um and you were using it on american civilians uh they also got army bombers to act as air- aerial surveillance huh <laughs> so again this is not a war story but yet <laughs> definitely sounds it's like kind of age, <laughs> yeah. now the way i picture it is like all quiet on the western front because we are so fresh out of world war one everyone is like oh we can fight just like we did years ago fellas get in the trench because like that's all they were doing i feel like in world war one is just being in the trenches but then yeah. how insane it is because it's not germany versus russia it's american worse- workers versus their bosses and it's not until September 2nd that the federal troops do arrive from uh, President Harding, about 2,100 of them. Uh, many of the miners were veterans themselves, so they refused to open gunfire on these guys. They were pretty Ooh, okay. okay just laying down their guns. They're like, okay, you know what, it's over, the federal troops, the military's in. Uh, the way they saw it was at least they weren't laying their guns down for the sheriff, they were laying it down for the military. Right. And so the miners they start heading home. Uh, They hide their rifles and handguns in the woods, fearing jail and confiscation. And it was estimated that a million rounds were fired during the whole battle. So days of just wow,
0: just (laughs) shooting.
1: And the actual number has never been truly confirmed. Uh, it ranges from 20 to 100, which is frustrating because that's a big difference. Um, say Some say it's more like 30 on Chafin's side and then 50 to 100 on the miners' side. But again, that's murky, mm. um, but definitely more miners died. Um, I mean, there were just more miners in general anyway. And they also didn't have pipe bombs. So yeah. <laughs> or yeah. a- aerial surveillance. <laughs> Quote, after the battle, 985 miners were indicted for murder, conspiracy to commit murder, accessory to murder, and treason against the state of West Virginia. Though some were acquitted by sympathetic juries, others were imprisoned for years. The last was paroled oh. in 1925. At that trial, the unexpected or the unexploded bomb was used as evidence of the government and company's brutality, and he was acquitted.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: So, you know, some some good some people went to jail you know it, it happened uh you're probably wondering well who the heck really won then um yeah it was just like a ceasefire once the military showed up and you know i wish i could say this caused the coal mining company to have a heart just like ebenezer scrooge they finally understood empathy and were awarded a christmas turkey uh but alas that is not the case uh that this was an overwhelming victory for the mining companies UMW membership fell from 50,000 to just 10,000. All the legal fees from the trial, I mean, it just dried up all the funds and it just deterred unionizers from future action or fighting. And it
0: wasn't until
1: 1935, following the Great Depression and the beginning of the New Deal, that the UMW then finally organizes in West Virginia. So also because of this defeat, it discouraged other miners in Pennsylvania and Kentucky to fight for unionization either, because they heard about it. They were like, we don't want to do that. That sounds bad. (laughs) You were in a gunfight for days. Yeah. There were casualties. (laughs) But in the long term, it did raise a lot of awareness on organizational abuses or unionization tactics and confrontations. And by 1935, things were really looking up and it led the way for future unions and workers' rights in general. So it took a while, didn't happen right away. It kind of took, you know, the Great Depression to really do something, but eventually it did happen. And, quote, Blair Mountain teaches us that we have to stand together if we're going to win. The miners took great risks and banded together collectively, overcoming barriers of race and ethnicity to shine a light on these dramatic examples of exploitation. And that is the Battle of Blair Mountain. Okay.
0: All right. Kind of, I mean, like, not to be rude, but kind of (laughs) anticlimactic. It's like, yeah, they battled for days, but, like, they didn't really win they kind of did
1: later <laughs> later but not not a, yeah not at the time kind of a big defeat that sucks
0: like that's just so crushing of where it's just like capitalism wins again
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't that you know the union didn't eventually win because you know everyone was like oh my god we need to treat each other better we need to give people better working rights it was just like oh like the economy is busted we can't do company towns anymore because we have no money this new deal (laughs) shit is getting in our way so we gotta stop yeah like great it never just stops because people see the error of their ways right Oh yeah, really excited to join a company town. Hoping I get drafted. It's new. It's coming. It's up and coming now. So, (laughs) oh god, it's like, what? This wasn't that long ago. It was a hundred years ago, but (laughs) it was great.
0: Like my professor was like, yeah. So that's alarming (laughs) that they're like talking about building a town, and it's also because like. Yeah, housing prices are out of fucking control right now. Mm-hmm. If you work for Amazon, it does kind of make sense yeah. to go, like, buy a cheap-ish house there. <laughs> you know, it's scary because the incentives are like, it makes sense.
1: Yeah, because people can't afford to live otherwise. So you put them in a hard spot and they're going to have to go with it. Right, right. I mean, it's like when you go to college, you live in a dorm room, it's super fun, you're around all your friends, just like that, being an adult, (laughs) you as your wife or husband and your children, and you're all in a dorm room, but... Yeah, it's like a fun community spot, but it's also like,
0: you don't entirely own your home, and if you lose your job, you lose your home too, (laughs) like, automatically, (laughs) that's not good, (laughs) it's like all your eggs in one basket.
1: Yeah the stress i would have if every day i went to work was like i get fired today i'm losing my house like because <laughs> yeah. it's one yeah. thing like yeah you lose your job you lose your income you could lose your house but it's another to be like no immediately you lose your house like it is
0: not yours anymore because the company still owns most of it <laughs> Yeah,
1: and any money you have is an actual american currency which is I think the most insane part of the story to me. Just yeah, the token. I'm like, that is... Grip. Insane.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really insane that that like even could be a thing. <laughs> yeah. That you um,
1: could get people to be willing to do that. I mean, they had to have been coming from the worst kind of, I mean, there's just no other opportunities. There's not a lot of great job infrastructure in West Virginia ever, so... Yeah. Great. Crazy. Well, just a reminder that your boss would rather you die sometimes than uh give you more money. Sometimes they'd rather shoot you out of a train and light yep. your shoes
0: on fire. And, like literally kill you. Rather sometimes, than you your face.
1: Yeah, they would rather drop uh artillery from the world war onto you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, that is wild how violent it
1: was. yeah and the fact that they have the ability to get multiple airplanes in the 20s. Like, that wasn't, you You couldn't just get a plane easily. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that was cool.
1: History 101. Didn't learn that in school, I tell you that.
0: Yeah. No, no one talked about that.
1: <laughs> I mean, I remember learning, like, yeah, being a coal miner is hard. I mean, there's still coal miners, obviously, and it's still yeah. very hard work. And I remember
0: learning, like, yeah, child labor's bad. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> there was some, like, I don't know if it was some story or something I learned in class, but, like, some horrible, like, traumatic tale of a girl working in, like, some kind of factory, and she got her hair stuck in the machine, Oh, and it ripped all her hair out. And I remember just being like, oh my God, I can't work in a factory. <laughs> and I remember my mom about, was like, like, calm down, you're not going to. <laughs> yeah.
0: I remember hearing about kids getting like hands mangled by machinery. Because <laughs> they would also be like, oh, like, yeah, we have this one weird part of the machinery that's like can't be fixed. And we need little child's hands mm-hmm. to reach in and fix it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, little teeny tiny hands and you're like yeah. well I'm seven so I don't know what's happening <laughs> oh my god
0: I can't imagine meeting a child of that time and just being like how are you <laughs> like what would they even be like they would just be like little adults right
1: yeah I mean if you look up pictures of like child coal miners it is so haunting because they have the face of like a 40 year old yeah
0: one and also they work all day and they probably don't do anything else like how how, what would they even
1: be like (laughs) and what what kind of adult would they turn into it's crazy yeah i mean i think you're just stripped of having any kind of personality you don't have any education you don't know how to do anything else except the one job you've been hired to do for your whole life yeah, I just
0: found a picture of a six year old coal miner smoking a pipe. Oh, <laughs> <my> God. <laughs>
1: it's so Nobody wild. I've never smoked a pipe, he's but such a
0: child.
1: And he's just straight up smoking a <laughs> pipe. He's like, well, I'm middle aged now, so I can exactly. smoke Like,
0: it. I'm sure their life expectancy is way less.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like I saw it somewhere. they like, the life expense- expectancy for a miner is like 40 at this time or something.
0: Oh, my God
1: because you also I mean when you have black lung you have that for your whole life it's never oh really
0: I thought it could get better like smoking like quit smoking and it gets better
1: kind of it might get better if you stop working in the mine, but you'll still like always have a cough you'll always have mucus (laughs) like
0: wow you're
1: gonna have something something bad
0: something bad
1: I remember, this is not in America, but when I was in Wales, I took a mine tour <laughs> and it was very interesting. Um, oh. It's very cold down there and they basically just kept talking about the donkeys and it was very sad about uh, how many donkeys died and they had all these donkeys bringing them coal up because this was before like a motorized cart. <laughs> right, right. And I was like, oh man, this is rough. So, you know. Progress. We don't have we don't use canaries. We don't have donkeys. I'm pretty sure we don't have children. children anything, yeah. But hey, that might be coming back.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean child labor is still very much a thing.
1: Just yeah. probably
0: not in the US. Hopefully. But uh it, it is in other countries still totally a thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you if anyone ever wants a fun fun read about child uh, labor, it would probably be Nestle and Shein, or like the top two that I can think of. That it's like, yep. Well, also, what's the stuff with the cobalt mining?
0: Isn't it cobalt mining like for phones? Yeah, that's very. It's Mm -hmm. It's bleak. It's very bad.
1: We should just all stop working.
0: Yeah, like, why okay. do we work?
1: Just subsistence farm. Just, just everybody farm.
0: Everybody there we go, the let's train. go back. I like it more when we go back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've seen enough. We've progressed enough. Like, I think 2023 is enough. It's enough years for humanity. Let's just, let's go back. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, well, that was the Battle of Blair Mountain. Yeah, sort of splained. Splained away.